Chill out. I'm trying to do a podcast. You are now sitting into another episode of Section 312, and we come partially live for you people out in San Diego. We have our good guy, Jeremy Sneed, all the way out there in San Diego at the winter meetings. Yeah. Big boy. Yeah. We got a packed show for you guys today. We have a packed MLB show. We recap NFL Week 14, the Selection 312, the Ball Guy of the Year Tournament Round 1. We have an all-new Sneedler's list, and we have a great twofer interview with you with Chris Ello and Tony Gwynn Jr. Jeremy, I'm gonna just let you have the floor. How's San Diego, man? I'm so upset I didn't get to go out there with you, dude. San Diego has been awesome. This is my first time in Cali, let alone San Diego, and I might not come back. I'm supposed to have a flight. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to sleep in and uh, say, oh, I missed my flight. Uh oh, better stay out here another six months. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's been crazy. And especially comparing last year's winter meetings that I was at in Vegas to this one, I mean, there have been just so many big names. Everywhere you look, pretty much, is somewhere you're like, oh, there's that guy. Oh, there's her. Oh, there's that guy. Like you just walk past so many people and you're like, Oh my God, like I'm in the same room with them. And it's got to feel like it's a lot different from last year when you were out in Vegas, because all of the things are finally falling into place. We're seeing guys sign left and right and they're all falling like dominoes. So it's got to be like a madhouse out there. Yeah, a little bit like some, some of the, especially with like, like Ken Rosenthal has been running around like with his, with his phone, just glued to his face constantly out with his air AirPods on. Like he's been like super busy running around, uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN. Like every time you see him, he's already in makeup and ready to talk to ESPN. Cause there's always something going on. Like, so that's been kind of cool looking at it from that standpoint too. Like you have the You've got like the the players that are here trying to like you know get deals and like talk about possible you know stuff like that, and then you have like the actual you know reporters that are just going crazy because this is like their hell week. Yeah, man, it's got to be crazy. But you know, before we get into MLB and before we get into uh, our first segment of the show, Matt's moment. This episode of the podcast is brought to you guys by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a DFS app for prop bets. They eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research and by only using the top-tier athletes. On Thursday this week, we have the Ravens and the Jets. You can go on the Thrive Fantasy and bet the over-under for 81.5 rushing plus reception yards for Mark Ingram, and when you do, enter our code SEC312 to get an instant match on your first deposit of up to $10. Guys, go online, go download the app, go to thrivefancy.com, enter our code SEC312. They're going to give you 10 bucks. You deposit $10 to win against uh, betting over or unders for Mark Ingram, they're going to give you 10 bucks, guys. It's a no-brainer. So go on, go download, go subscribe, Thrive Fantasy, go check them out. Matt, you look like you have a lot to say. We missed you last week, so I'm going to give you a big moment for this week. So I hope you have a, a good moment for us. 
Man, you overhyped something that's going to be really trash. Um, I don't really have much of a moment uh, besides um, I'm very tired from working voluntary overtime for a while, for like five days. And I really wish that Ozuna stays in St. Louis. Uh, Marcel did some good things this past season or two. I don't want to see him go, but it looks like he's going to be going for big money. So this is your moment, just being stressed out, watching the watching every ESPN blurb, waiting for yeah. the Ozuna, waiting for the Ozuna news. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> like he's the only one who actually did anything, you know, or one of the few. <laughs> so that was your moment. Is that you're having a panic attack? You you're feeling like a little kid waiting for Christmas to come, but you never know if you're going to get that present that you really been asking for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's my moment. It, it, it's just a moment, you know. It's not. It's not an event. It's not much of a segment. It's just. It's just a moment. This time, anyway. <laughs> and that was Matt's short moment. Not a grand moment, but it was a short moment. We hope it's a good moment. Well, I personally don't. I don't want him to go back to the Cardinals. We don't like the Cardinals. Well, I don't like the Cardinals. Matt likes the Cardinals. But uh, I keep hearing Marcel Ozuna was going to go to the White Sox. But, you know, we'll just jump right into it. MLB talk. Jeremy's having the time of his life in San Diego. He's thinking about leaving us and never coming back, which is fine if he keeps getting fire interviews like Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello. You know, I'm not I'm not going to complain. So uh, we'll, we'll start he's your it there. Street guy. He's your, he's your street team. Get yeah, the word yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we're going to start it off right there then. Marcelo Zuna, I heard, was going to be signing with the White Sox, but that looks to not be the case as the White Sox make the trade for Nomar Mazzara. I, I texted you as soon as the news broke last night, Jeremy, and you seemed like you hadn't, you hadn't heard a thing out there in the winter meetings about Mazzara. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that much of an insider here, guy. I don't... It's not like I, because there's, here's the deal. There's, well, no, there's no, separate... I never thought, you know, you were an insider guy, but I thought, you know, you'd hear some chitter chatter from all you, Ken Rosenthal running back and forth, looking like a dog about to pee himself, you know? No, nah, there was, for, for a good while last night, a lot of it was, I was at the hotel getting food, drinking some beers. Like, it wasn't so much, uh, like being at the, being at the Manchester where all this, where all this crazy stuff is uh is going down. So unfortunately I missed out on that. But either way, I'm still excited. That's a better he's a better fielder than some of the other guys that the White Sox were pursuing. And while we, while the White Sox do give up their number 6 prospect in the meantime, there's no guarantee like obviously with prospects, there's no guarantee that Steel Walker turns into a a Hall of Famer. So getting rid of him for someone like Nomar Mazzara I, I like the move, personally. I You know, from a Cubs fan perspective, I personally like the move, too. I think Nomar Mazar is a very good uh, batter. I, I think he's a very good fielder. But I do think Nick Castellanos could have been the better option in the long haul. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. I think it's a good move for the White Sox because they needed a right fielder. Uh, it's not looking good for the Cubs, though, as... I keep hearing reports that Nick Castellanos will not be returning because the Cubs are $18 million over the salary cap for next year. Uh, 
Is it a salary cap? I don't know if baseball has... Base, baseball does not have a salary no, cap. No, right, but it's it's like the luxury tax or something that they're going to get... Yeah, they're gonna there's, have to there's pay luxury more. tax that comes into play because that's where like the Yankees and the Dodgers and Red right, Sox right. get into difficulty where they sign all these big contracts. But then are they really in, in difficulty? Because, I mean, the Yankees make so much money and the Dodgers are partially owned by Magic Johnson. So it's like they have money, you know. Well, th- those are good problems to have. It's not like they're. It's not like they're struggling. Those are. Those are good problems to have. So the biggest news since you've been there, Garrett Cole. Speaking of the Yankees, uh, yeah, I I saw the picture today. I think it was from ESPN or or Barstool. I don't remember that Garrett Cole was has been a lifelong Yankees fan. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this. I had no yeah. idea. And he actually went to a Yankees game, and they caught him on camera with a sign, and it was when he was super young, and now they're saying, you know, now it's his turn to go and win a championship with the Yankees. Uh, the contract. I want to get into the contract, because Garrett Cole, I believe, is 31 years old, correct? Uh, he's 29. Really? I, okay, that I, why did I think Strasburg was... Strasburg's thirty one. Ah, uh, okay. See, I knew one of them were, was thirty one. Uh, nine years, nine years. Um, do do you guys want what you want to hear, or do you want the truth on how I think this contract is going to play out? <laughs> well, before you do that, I just want to say I think I think the way the Yankees structured it was actually kind of smart with the opt out being with there being an opt out involved after five years because. Those first five years, I think, are going to be obviously those golden years for Cole. I'm going to say three. Okay, I think the first three years are going to be gold, and then after that, I think it's going to start to go downhill. Well, probably, but like, like I, so, I, I mean, hope. The, I, I, I think having that opt out in there is still going to be nice. No, yeah, correct. It's it's definitely nice to always have an escape route. So you don't get stuck in the contracts like Jason Hayward and you Darvish. You know, it's always nice to have those opt outs. Um, but I do think that uh, after three years, it's just I don't I don't see it panning out the way that they want it to necessarily. I feel like he's going to give them a deep playoff run, possibly a championship. I mean, that starting rotation is nasty, right? Yeah. But. Well, a lot of the talks around here, like with with me listening to, because uh, there's a lot of TV setups all over the place out here in San Diego. So I've been eavesdropping on on SNY's show, MLB Network, ESPN, everyone's shows that are going on, and a lot of the talk right now is everyone saying that as long as as long as the Yankees win one World Series with Cole, that contract's worth it. Oh yeah, of course, I totally agree. You know, I'm not saying it's not going to be worth it, but I just don't think he's going to be, you know, elite for the full nine years of that contract. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, unless somehow he's he's the second coming of Nolan Ryan and he can he can be amazing into his into his late 30s. You know, bearing any uh, injuries there, you know, because we never wish anybody to get injured. But, you know, I just hope we don't see another Clayton Kershaw incident. You know, he starts having back problems and then he's never the same pitcher again. Very true. So, jumping over to the NL now, uh, Steven Strasburg, the other big name, stays in Washington like I believe we all predicted back on the show a couple weeks ago. He just wanted more money from them. And I think that's what kind of, uh, as you were talking to Tony Gwynn and Chris about uh, how how the structure for Cole's contract was. you know, Because once they saw Strasburg sign for a certain amount, they knew Cole was going to get more. Oh, yeah. 
No, yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I think a lot of people were surprised though at how much more. Like I know I know me personally, like, I, I expected it to be I thought he was gonna get three hundred. I thought it was gonna be a kind of flat three hundred mil. But for them to for them to ship out three what was it three twenty four, I thought that was that was the part to me that was more surprising. And the length for it being nine years is a long time to be to be stuck to a to a pitcher, but same for the Nationals. I mean, giving Strasburg seven years while he's already while he's already thirty-one years old and has had injury problems, that's a more that's a more dangerous signing to me than Garrett Cole, someone who's had zero injury problems, is tw- and is only twenty-nine years old. You know, I I think that the move with Strasburg, the money that he got, wasn't necessarily on was what they're going to pay him for the future. I feel like they paid him for what he just did and what he True. brought to the city because now Steven Strasburg is basically immortalized in Washington. He'll have his jersey retired. He'll he'll have his number, you know, put onto a flag on a post or on the wall, you know, something like that, you know, like the Cardinals do in the outfield. Like he's going to be an icon now for the rest of his life, even when he's gone. You mentioned to me earlier about uh, these really tasty cookies that you had earlier. Yes, sir. What, what's so special about these cookies out there in uh, San Diego? Dude, they were tasty. And they're not even not even that kind of special like I think you're alluding to, but they were just tasty. They were, I had red velvet cookie, and it was a cookies and cream milkshake cookie. Those sounds fire. And, uh, what? Those sounds so fire. Right, there was no price tag on them, and I, and I looked at my my buddy. I'm like, "You watch, these are gonna be like six dollar cookies." And sure enough, I bought like a six dollar coffee and these two cookies, and my total was sixteen bucks. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh boy, these <laughs> these were expensive cookies." I'm like, "They better be damn good," and they were. And and that's why I told told my buddy, I'm like, "Well, not that I would ever want to pay this much for cookies again, but." I'm not upset with it for this one time because they were damn good. <laughs> so you had some damn good cookies out there in San Diego. You seem like you're ready to move out to San Diego. Uh, so I, I want to know right, right off the bat, what is our topic this week for Sneedler's List? I feel like it's got to be something with San Diego. <laughs> yeah, so Sneedler's List for this week, of course, uh, going to be San Diego themed and with all these People roaming around. Uh, I figure it'll be it's tonight. It's going to be top ten people that I met and or saw at the winter meetings. Because of course I couldn't meet everybody, but some of these people you just see them and you're like, oh my god, that's awesome. So some honorable mentions to get out of the way real quick, and we'll run through those. Uh, Rick Renteria and Ken Williams, uh, the White Sox GM, saw them. Ran into our buddy Chuck Garfine. Had a nice conversation uh, with him, and he thought I was Quentin, so that was funny. He's like, "Are you the one I did the interview with?" I'm like, "No, I'm half I'm half as tall as him, not him." Uh, <laughs> Matt Kemp was roaming around. Uh, Jessica Mendoza from ESPN, Marcus Simeon, uh, Gabe Kapler, and uh, Daniel Nava, former Red Sox. Uh, so some honorable mentions there. Um, and you might be thinking, like, "Damn, those are some nice names to throw into the top ten on their own and yeah i know right uh so getting getting into the top 10 starting with number 10 mr xander bogarts the red sox shortstop he was doing an interview and we walked right next to him uh 
Pretty much could have smelled him if I wanted to. Uh, didn't do that because obviously that's weird. But Xander Bogarts comes in at number 10. Number 9, Mr. Brian Kenny got to meet him for, for a quick little second there. There was a there was a chatty patty next to me talking to Brian Kenny, and, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Mr. Kenny because this kid next to me took all the spotlight. But I at least got a picture with with Mr. Brian Kenny, and he was a he was a nice man, and uh, even saw him again saw him again today, and said, "Hey, what's up?" And he said, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Oh, well, there we go. Now we're on speaking terms." Brian Kenny comes in at number nine. Number eight, Mr. Moises Alou, got to meet him uh, while at the winter meetings. You didn't shake I his think- hand, did you? I did, and God. I didn't think about it. I didn't uh, think about it until after I was done, and I said, "Wait a minute." <laughs> Hold on. As a Cardinals fan, I don't understand what's going on. So, tell us uh, some insight. Moises, uh, Alou, let me let me let me yeah, just du- let me Cubby, dumb it down you for you. Yeah, let me dumb it down for you here, Matt. Moises Alou uh, was a very good baseball player for the Cubs. Okay. Yes, I uh, I know who he is. He, he interfe- uh Steve Bartman interfered with him. Okay, I understand okay. that too. Cost the Cubs a championship. Uh, he never wore batting gloves. Okay, and he pees on his hands. Maybe not anymore, but he used to. Yeah, he he, he used to pee on his hands. <laughs> he used I to- assume I assume he doesn't do that anymore. As far as we know. But we would love to get him on the show to talk about it because I want to know what was going through his head uh, in what he. I think all chances of asking him that question is out the window now. No, because it was him. a big thing. It was a big story back then because he used to pee on his hands instead of wearing batting gloves because he said that it helped him grip the bat tighter. Right, right. I mean, he's innovative. He's thinking outside the box. Well, if only Steve Bartman pissed on his hands before he <laughs> dropped that ball. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, anyway, back to Sneedler's list. Yeah, so Moises Alou comes in at number eight. I annoyed him about trying to interview him for the show. He gave me the big league answer of "I don't know, find me tomorrow and see what happens." And unfortunately, that that didn't come about. But maybe next time. Number seven, Mister Adam Jones, formerly with the Baltimore Orioles, and now heading off to Japan. Me and my buddy ran into him, got a picture with him. He was a very nice man, even though he had a lot of stuff going on. Still took the time to have a quick little chat with us, and it was a very nice man and very big, very big man. Coming in at number six, I met Rays manager Kevin Cash while at the winter meetings. Uh, Part of my duty while I was there was meeting with Neil Salons, one of the Rays broadcasters, and getting to know him and the process of some of the Rays broadcasts, and while he was there, he interviewed Kevin Cash, so I got to meet him. Very tan, Kevin Cash, one of the one of the tanner people I've I think I've ever seen in my life. Very tan. So he comes in at number six. So the first five on Sneedler's list: Xander Bogarts, Brian Kenny, Moises Alou, Adam Jones, Kevin Cash. Heading into the top five, we have Harold Reynolds cracking the number five spot. Harold Reynolds was a very nice guy. Was very busy, and in fact. <laughs> He kind of asked me to take a picture. He was he was getting busy, and my buddy asked for a picture with him. And Harold looked at me and said, "Do you want a picture?" So you be the judge. But Harold Reynolds kind of asked me for a picture. You but know you what I'm know- saying? But Harold Reynolds, Harold Reynolds, very funny guy. We found out at the at the MLB trade show that he partaked in this sim uh, the simulator. It was sort of a you know, batting cage mixed with like a live action VR video game. And we found out that Harold Reynolds did that. 
So when we met Harold Reynolds, my buddy said, hey, I want to challenge you to, to a hit off in that in that cage. And Harold said, well, young man, you might get me in there. He goes, but any other contest, I will beat you. <laughs> that seems like a legit challenge. That he sounds said, like a YouTube video waiting to happen. I wish he, he went. Said, I wish he could go up to Joey Chestnut and say that to him about eating hot dogs, and we'll <laughs> yeah, see who wins. Yeah right. yeah, right. So Harold Reynolds comes in at number five. Number four, two of my new best friends, Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello, they both get the spot at number four. They were very nice to me and very welcoming and had a very nice conversation with them, as, as you all will enjoy later on. As well, coming in at number three, Carlos Beltran. He was roaming around the winter meetings doing press tours and one of the few guys at the winter meetings that actually had a posse. He was surrounded by people constantly. And so it was every, so you could always tell where Carlos Beltran was because you'd see nine or ten people walking together with with you know blue name tags on, and you're like, okay, there's uh there's Carlos Beltran. Number two on Sneeder's list of the top 10 people I met and or saw at the winter meetings, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, another man who was very nice to me. He was waiting for a car to come pick him up, so I picked his brain a little bit and uh, got to talking to him, told him I was going to go work for the Rays, and he was very happy about that. And then we, we shared a man hug before, before, we, uh, before we walked away. I, I put my hand out just to handshake him. He shook my hand and then... Came in for the man hug, so I, I man hugged Mad Dog. You know, so that's cool. you know that's that's something I never quite understood. You know, what it's like. What do you do in that situation? Do you just say screw it and go in for the full hug, or you're just like, no, nah, that's okay. I like the handshake. Uh yeah, I kind of just embraced it. I'm like, well, you panicked. If if, you panicked. If he's you gonna do. You didn't it. know what to do, so you just you went with the flow. Yeah, I was like, this is exactly. Mad Dog's. This is Mad Dog's world, and I'm just living in it. Um, <laughs> I guess Christopher Russo is only Mad Dog when the light is on, because he seems also, like a cool guy. <laughs> also true. He was a very, he was a very nice man, um, and we took a selfie, so that was cool. And coming in at number one on Sneedler's list of top ten people I met and or saw at the winter meetings, Commissioner Rob Manfred, and I put him at number one because we shared the same hallway together the man walked right past me as he head to his ele- as he headed to his elevator at the manchester grand hyatt and i said oh my god that's the commish you know so, that's awesome you and know with his luggage he just he walked over to the elevator and i was like he didn't have like a group with him it was it was him and like one other dude and i'm like oh there's there's rob manfred he i almost touched him and he just walked right past me like there we go so I mean, I, I'm I'm very uh, sad to hear that uh, Dave Kaplan didn't uh, make it on your list, even though he <laughs> photobombed you. Dude, I know I didn't I I totally didn't even notice that until I went to post it on the on the gram. You can you can follow me at Sneedjare on on Instagram. And when I posted that, I was I was looking at it and I was, I'm like that bald guy. I'm like oh, I'm like that's Dave Kaplan. I was like hey. Got photobombed by David Kaplan. Let's go. <laughs> hey, maybe it's a late entrant for the uh, ball guy of the year. Photobomb. <laughs> nah, it's a little too late this year, but we'll get into when a you, recap. Uh, when you talked to Mr. Kamish, did you happen to tell him to not get rid of a designated hitter? Or no, not, I, not, to, I not to add it in National League? 
I didn't get the chance to talk to him because I realized that there's a certain level of status you have to be at to even address the commish. Yeah, especially and, if he doesn't have like Secret Service around him, yeah. dude. Like, right. yeah, like I regret not saying anything to the commish, but at the same time, I realize I'm not yet at that status to even. I just, to pic- even speak I just pictured to the Jeremy. I just pictured Jeremy in that hallway, seeing him walk by, and the only thing that uh, pops out of his voice is like, "I love baseball." <laughs> I mean, if yeah, you're right, sharing right. a hallway together, if you're walking, you're already around him. Just say, well, good he morning, was, sir. Like well, that. well, one, it wasn't morning, so that would have been worse. Good afternoon, but, sir. He's like, guten tag. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, my, name's, my name's Baseball, and I love Jeremy. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like, Jeremy, you're having a great time out there in San Diego. Time is up to you, sir. You're, you're having <laughs> yeah. a you guys need your help. Need some help with your bags, fun. Mr. Manfred. That's why. <laughs> so you're having a great time out there in San Diego. I should have went out there, and you know, I take partial blame with it because I didn't, you know, even think to give you business cards to hand out. I didn't even think to give you my little microphone that plugs into your phone. You make uh, quality even better. You know, I totally goofed. But next year, we're gonna plan it out longer. We're both gonna go Dallas. out there. Yeah, I like I said, I got I got family in Houston. We'll drive to Dallas. We could stay at a place in Houston. I'm sure, not have to pay. You know, we'll get, we're gonna get it done. We're gonna go on a road trip across country. We'll pick up Matt. He'll come down with us. Uh, we'll make a documentary about it. We'll make a documentary about it. Yeah, I I like to do videos. So I'll record the video and I'll do some editing. I'll put it on YouTube. It'll be cool. Let's get into our interview this week. It's a two four. It is Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Jeremy, I'm going to let you take it away. What do you <laughs> got to say about these two before we get into this interview? Yeah, well, all I could say is they were like, it, it wasn't anything I expected to happen, but I, I went up to them. I said, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm on this podcast, Section 312. We're based in Chicago. I'm an aspiring broadcaster. I said, I would, I would love to get a few minutes of your time. And, they said, yeah, come back tomorrow. They're like, we go live at 2 o'clock, and we get here at about 1 o'clock. They're like, yeah, just come on by. And so talked to them for for about 15 minutes and talked Lakers, talked Bulls, talked Garrett Cole, and even talked uh, baseball brawls. And so uh, they, they host a show together, the Gwyn and Chris Show on 97.3 Fan on the Padres Radio Network. And here is Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello. What's going on, guys? Jeremy Snead with you live here at the Winter Meetings in San Diego. And joining us, sitting in Section 312, we have two special guests for you today from the Padres Radio Network, Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello, the hosts of the Gwynn and Chris Show. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me here in San Diego. No problem. Good to be here. Appreciate having you guys on the show. So first things off, I want to talk about this is the inaugural season of the Gwyn and Chris show. So how did this come about? Uh, well, I, don't, I, I think uh, the, the station, uh, I mean, doing the Padre games, they wanted to add a couple of sports talk station shows to the station. And uh, I was doing some Padre pre and post game at the time. And uh, uh, believe it or not, I actually... Um, I actually suggested that they uh, they put a call into Mr. Junior over there because I thought he'd be pretty good at this, and uh, he has turned out to be fantastic at it. So we've had a great time. So then, how does that feel when you're getting requested to possibly host a show? He didn't know 
Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, I was uh, looking to to get back home to San Diego because I had spent a year with the Dodgers, which was awesome. I got got to watch a team that was was really good, and I learned a lot in my first season behind the mic, you know. And so by the time I came around to, to coming down here to San Diego, and the opportunity presented itself uh, to to have a radio show, I jumped at it. And uh, I had worked with Chris doing Padres pre and post before, so uh, there was some familiarity there. Um, and you know, now in our in our second year doing it, it's pretty. Uh, it's like clockwork now. We, we we we're pretty in sync. That's awesome to hear. And so, a lot of players obviously make that transition from from being on the field to then heading into the press box to do radio or do television. But what's that transition like from? from no longer being able to play the game, but now broadcasting it and talking about it for a living? Well, uh, you know, for me, it, it, it wasn't that big of a change. You know, I, I kind of had been setting myself up to move in this direction probably four years before I start stopped uh, playing. So the transition, uh, you know, and listen, it takes, it takes relationships, it takes a little luck, it takes a little timing. All the things kind of lined up, so... Uh, when I did retire, I was able to fall right into a, a, a Los Angeles Dodger uh, job doing pre and post game, and, and from there you, you do a, you do well enough. You know, people start chatting a little bit, and really, once the opportunity to go back home presented itself, it was a it was a no brainer. That's awesome, and maybe a little recommendation as as well can can help you out. So obviously, what's going on here? Winter meetings and. I went to the Mooner meetings in Las Vegas last year, and not so much stuff happened, but so far here in San Diego, some crazy stuff has been going on. I want to start with, with you, Mr. Ello. So the news last night, Garrett Cole, nine years, and he got paid, paid a little bit of money there. What was your initial reaction to that move? Honestly, no, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, once Steven Strasburg signed for what he signed for, I knew that Garrett Cole was going to sign for a whole bunch more, and... It, it seemed like the Yankees kind of had made up their mind that they were going to get Garrett Cole. So once the Yankees make up their mind with the money that they have, uh, they're going to get their guy. So I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, last year was kind of an odd year in terms of free agency kind of stalling. But I, I'm not surprised that it's back to close to normal, if not normal now. And maybe it's just the good weather in San Diego that has everybody feeling feeling very good about themselves and uh you know willing to go out and get stuff done i don't know but uh if it was up to me they'd have this kind of stuff in san diego all the time i know a lot of people would agree but uh it's just such a great place and uh this great spot to have it yeah this has been my first time in california let alone san diego and i'm supposed to leave tomorrow i don't know if i want to and now from the from the player stand side what was your initial reaction to not only strasburg but now cole getting this record-breaking deal well, in Strasburg case, there's, there's a personal connection there. So uh, him playing for my dad, me knowing him uh, pretty well, it, that wasn't a surprise to me. I mean, he's just that type of guy that, you know, he falls into a comfort. Um, he gets has some success. He, he doesn't feel a need to change. And uh, all the signs really pointed to that even before his signing. Um, in terms of Garrett Cole, like Chris said, I, I think there was no one happier uh, after Steven Strasburg signed than Garrett Cole because the number 245 was attached to Garrett Cole going into this offseason. So when Strasburg signs for it, immediately you know, well, the number's probably going to be north of 300. And uh, as it turns out, the teams that were in it 
were either at 300 or a little bit above it. The Yankees, the Yankees, this was much like 2000, the 2008 offseason where they knew they wanted to bring CC Sabathia in and there wasn't anything any team could do to stop it. And so now getting to the to the Padres, a team that has been making making some big moves the last couple off seasons, whether it was bringing in Hosmer, bringing in Machado, and bringing in Tatis Jr. a couple of years ago, that's been working out. This off season, I feel like a, a little bit slower to start picking up Trent Grisham from the Brewers. A couple moves here and there. What do you guys see happening next for the Padres? Next for the Padres, I think there's a few things that they're still looking at. I mean, uh, they're always going to want to upgrade their pitching staff. I still think they have some questions to answer in the outfield. Um, and I think that they got to figure out their catching situation. Unfortunately, I don't know that they have a taker for somebody like an Austin Hedges who hit 179 last year, but I think they'd like to to shake out that catching situation. Whether or not A.J. Preller is able to get that done, I don't know. Second base is another area of concern they did sign jerks and pro far but uh you know aj preller i think's a little bit under the gun this year i mean the 2020 ownership here has talked about this being a winning season and i think aj is going to do whatever he can to make sure it is a winning season and you know i like what he's done overall with this organization and i like how he makes moves and he's aggressive and he's not afraid to take chances and he's got a lot of uh He's got a lot of great young players and prospects that he can probably take some chances with. So uh, I don't think they're done, but uh, I don't know that they'll any do anything to be breaking any records. Uh, that Machado signing last year is probably going to hold this organization for a while. No $350 million contracts for Bumgarner on the horizon. For Mr. For Mr. Gwynn here, what do, you, what do you think the Padres should do moving forward with this offseason? Yeah, I'm right there with Chris. I think there's some... Still some question marks in the outfield, um, in the infield. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that they're 100% settled there, nor an outfield. So as we sit here and talk, I mean, we've rumors are popping up all over the place, Padres being in. And as a matter of fact, I think that was reported. The Padres are the most active team in terms of trade talk. So clearly they want to make some more moves happen. Um, and as, as, as Chris said, I think um, – Ownership has said this has got to be a year where we're, when I say we, I mean the Padres are, are competing uh, to at least, you know, contend for a wild card. And um, right now, this roster is better than it was last year, but I still think there are some pieces out there, including maybe some starting pitching that could be had. And that, that leads into another another question I, I was going to ask. With, with these moves that they've been making, how far can this team go or how close are we to seeing them contend for not just the NL West but to make a deep playoff push? Listen, the Los Angeles Dodgers aren't going anywhere. Um, just when you think they're, they're starting to get older, they bring up two, three more guys that are really young and are really good. So you can expect them to be right compete at the top of this division. Now the Padres have to start making a dent in that, you know, and start kind of bringing the the game. I mean, Dodgers have ran away with the division, at least last year they did. Two out of the three years they've ran away with the division. Um, So the Padres have got to cut it. I think the Padres are, right now, as I said, are a better team, which moves still to be made. But with that being said, we saw this team within two and a half games at the break last year uh, as and they're not as they're constructed better this year. So uh, I think they could, could they could be right in a wild card race. It also depends on what some of the other teams are doing. It seems like Cincinnati's going to be good this year. That Central Milwaukee's not going anywhere. 
Um, in the East, you got the Phillies now have to be talked about. The Cubs are still going. So there are a lot of good teams in the National League to contend with. Uh, but I think the I think the Padres can be in the mix for a wild card. Switching to some more um, some more fun topics here, as as great as the winter meetings are, Mister Mister Ello, the season season broadcaster out out here on the on the West Coast. I was curious to ask, and I'm sure our listeners would be curious too. What what is your favorite broadcasting memory so far? If you have a if you've got a memorable story that you think would be worthy to share, <laughs> uh, throw me on the spot there. I mean, uh, I, I just. To me, quite a few different things, but uh, I remember one time the New York Yankees came to San Diego to play San Diego State in an exhibition baseball game right before the season started, and I got asked to broadcast that game. Had a lot of fun doing that. Um, just uh, getting, in, but basically, it's it's not nothing specific. I wouldn't say to me, it's just the being part of broadcasting. I've been, I've done hockey, I've done basketball. I've done indoor soccer. I've done arena football. I've done baseball. Um, doing San Diego State women's basketball the last uh, dozen or so years. To me, it's just broadcasting is just it's fun to be part of a team and uh, just part of a group of uh, kids or you know young men, young ladies, whatever the case may be. And that's the number one thing I like most about broadcasting. It, you know, as far as memories are concerned, it's just basically just meeting the people that I've been able to meet. Sure. And for Tony, I was curious, and, and as, as a lot of people might be, in your playing career, do you have a favorite teammate story? Do you have a memorable teammate experience? Who was a, who was a funny guy that you dealt with? Anything that, that stands out? I mean, honestly, when you play pro ball as long as I played, there are going to be so many memorable uh, people who've had an impact on your life, who you still... So I'll give you a few. Um, Prince Fielder is at the top of that list. Uh, here, uh, CeCe Sabathia is right there at the top of that. And i show you the kind of impact he had. Is I only played with him for a half a season. And I feel like we played together for years. That's the kind of impact he had. Uh, John Garland's another. Mark Sweeney, although I never played with him. He was in the locker room with my father, and then there was a coach with the Dodgers later on before he became a broadcaster. Uh, but there are a lot of them. I think memorable stories. I, I think my first brawl is always a, 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 a memorable story because it was the first ever baseball brawl that I'd ever been in. My first full season in, 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 my, in minor leagues. Um, Prince is right in the middle of it. He gets hit. The him and the pitcher have worked, and it was that's probably the most memorable moment in baseball. Uh, at least that's the one that pops in my head. I think most people would probably pick the my my triple off of Trevor Hoffman to knock the Padres at least or at least push them to a one game wild uh, one game playoff against the Rockies. That's gotta be fun. I can only imagine being that pitcher and seeing Prince Fielder come in charging for you. That's gotta be that's gotta be rough. Can't possibly be uh, be be very comforting seeing the, that big man coming at you. So you guys, you guys have your show coming up. So I'll I'll leave you on this as a as a noted Laker fan. You got LeBron, Anthony Davis, and now you start out the season twenty one and three. Are they better than you expected them to be so far? They're better earlier than I expected to be. I knew eventually this would be. This would resemble something like what's going to be at the end of the season, but I didn't expect them to be this good this early. I mean, 
and especially defensively, they seem to be on one string. And uh, when you got that kind of size, which is weird for today's NBA, everybody likes to go small. They basically have this the 2019 version of the Twin Towers right now. So um, I, I've been been pleasantly surprised by how well they've gotten off to. Well, gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to join me sitting here in Section 312. Enjoy the rest of your time here in the winter meetings and have a good show today. Thank you, sir. You don't want to talk about my favorite basketball team? (laughs) I would love to. Okay. um, Look out for the Chicago Bulls. Maybe in about 20, another 20 years, we might return to the glory days of Michael Jordan. There you go. As, As a Chicago podcast here, we like hearing that Bulls in 20 years, Chris, Chris Ello said it here first. Thank you, gentlemen, again for sitting here in Section 312. Jeremy C. with you. More show on the way. And that interview with Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello was brought to you by our good friends at Karaoke Adventure. Do you want the best entertainment around? It's Karaoke Adventure. I don't know why the winter meetings didn't give them a call. I would have given them a call. Do karaoke with Tony Gwynn Jr. and Chris Ello. That would have been a time of our life, right? I had the time of our lives when we called karaoke adventure. Come on, guys. They bring everything to you. The TVs, the uh, PAs, the mics, the lighting, everything you need for a singing good time. Karaoke Adventure, over 30 years experience. Contact Eric St. Michaels today at 773-732-6597. Go follow them on Facebook, see videos and more. Karaoke Adventure at Facebook.com today. Karaoke Adventure. That's a lot of MLB talk. That's over half of our show of straight MLB talk, and I love it. I can't wait for spring training. But let's get into NFL Week 14 recap and the preview for Week 15 Uh the Bears beat the boys on Thursday the night football. Bears. The Bears. The so Bears. Happy. The Bears. <laughs> the Bears. Uh, the Bears, they did uh, <laughs> very good, and the boys did not do so great. Uh, but Ezekiel Elliott really uh, hurt me, and Dak Prescott not rushing for that touchdown in the beginning really hurt me. Uh, but the Bears beat the boys, so now the Bears look to – go against the Packers on Sunday. And if we win, if the Vikings lose and the Rams lose, then the Bears' playoff chances jump from 2% to 17%. So we're going to be looking good, but we got to beat the Pack in Lambeau in five-degree weather. Also, quick quick shout-out to Darius Slayton, because you know who else beat someone? I beat you, Quentin. By one point to get into the championship. And you know, it's it's not even the fact, it, okay? <laughs> it's not even the fact that I lost by one point, okay? It's it's not even the fact that it was Darius Slayton, you know? It, it, it's the fact that I will probably— And it was probably, all in the first half. It was all in the first half. I know, because he, he didn't have another single catch the rest of the game, okay? But this is what really gets me, okay? Alvin Kamara— if you're listening out there, because I know that you, I know that you love lyrical lemonade, and you mess, uh, and you know Cole Bennett and and Glow Up Jake out there, you know, and you know I know them. If you're listening out there, I will never draft you ever again in fantasy football. I want you to have the best career that you will ever have. I want you to go down as one of the greatest NFL running backs. But I want you to know before you go to bed every night. That the founder of Section 312 will never draft you again. 
because I lost my playoff game. You haven't had a touchdown since like week three. You have one touchdown on the year. And I made the terrible mistake of not taking Christian McCaffrey because I believed in Alvin Kamara. Now, my rant is over. I still like you as a player and the guy, but not as a fantasy player. Darius Slayton, never again. Darius Slayton for rookie of, offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that was that was. How about uh, offensive flex play of the year? Flex <laughs> play of the right. year. Picked him up. Picked him up that week. Started him at the flex. Won me this. Won me the game by one point. So let's go. So now you're going to play Cotto in the finals, but yes, seven players on Cotto's team are either questionable or out. So you're gonna coast to a nice championship. No, don't say that. That makes that makes me so much more nervous now. You're that... gonna coast. You're gonna you're gonna throw the sail up and you're gonna let the winds take you into the promised land. Stop. It makes me nervous. So the Bears, they beat the boys. And now how did we do last week with selection three one two? Before we get into this, I feel like I lost all huh. my picks again. I think I'm probably negative like eleven points right now. I'm glad you asked, Quentin, because beginning with you, you, my friend, are sitting at minus eight. Oh boy! And five for twelve on the season. Oh god! In, in making picks. Oh god! After picking after picking the Bengals and the Bills, Don't you got the Bears. You got the Bears, but you lost out on, uh, on the Bears, Bears and, the, and the Bills. Yeah. And Vance is currently in second last. He is currently in third place. He is 8-12, and 12, but currently holds a plus two uh, rating after he lost the Jaguars but got the Packers and Vikings. Our guest pickers are in second place at 8-12 and 12 after Daniel Hartman came through with a perfect week. Oh, picking boy. De- picking Denver, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. He had Denver on the upset, and he got it. So, but also speaking of perfect weeks, your boy for the second straight week came through with a perfect week. Shout out to the Falcons, shout out to the Browns, and shout out to the Eagles getting it done. Perfect week. I'm plus ten, nine of twelve. Let's go. So that means you're going to start it off for this week. First off, who's our guest picker for this week? Mr. Justin Trevino is our guest picker. He's been shacking it up with me in San Diego. He's at, he's currently on the job search. Uh, he's got some offers. He's been he's been really excited over here. I don't know what's going on. If he matched with someone on Tinder, or if he got another job interview, or or something going on. But what if what if he matched with a job interview on Tinder? Would that be a game changer? He, ma- he matched with Jessica Mendoza on Tinder. Maybe I don't no know. Way. I don't, no, I don't know. Way. Maybe. Well, I heard Jenny Finch is out there. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe that's what happened, but he's our guest picker. He's going with the Arizona Cardinals for the upset pick. He's a 49ers fan, so of course he's going with the 49ers and a lock, and also because he's basic, he wants the Patriots as his extra point. (laughs) Me, I'm going out on the limb. I believe in Dwayne Haskins. Hashtag trust the process. I I want the Redskins as my upset pick. I'm going with the Saints as a lock on Monday Night Football against the Colts. And then I want the Chiefs as my extra point. With or without Mahomes, the Chiefs get it done. Okay. I've made some tough decisions here this week. Okay. But I feel like I've done it the past three weeks. Okay. Because we got to turn this season around. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hope so. My upset this week, I am going to take the Bears over the Packers at Lambeau. Okay? I like it. I my, like it. My lock for this week is going to be the Patriots over the Bengals. Patriots? And my other game that I'm going to choose is going to be the Raiders over the Jaguars. It was very oh. tough. It was very tough because I, I really wanted to circle those steer, to circle those uh, Steelers with the Buffalo Bills, but the Bills have let me down, I think, the past two weeks. So I'm going to go with the Oakland Raiders, the Bears, and the Patriots. The Bears. The Bears. Just, just so you know, Quentin... When picking the Raiders so far in sec- in selection three one two, we are one and two, picking the picking against the soon to be Las or picking at the soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. We're we're so, one and two, one and two. Oh gosh, well I think we're about to go two and two. But but we are three and one picking the Bears, so that's in your favor. Okay, sounds good. I'm confident this week. Selection 312, we're going to get back in. For everybody listening out there, the guest pickers, if they get in the first place, every single guest picker will be entered in a random drawing to win some free merchandise. So you guys, the audience, should be rooting for these guest pickers. And everybody else listening, once we hit 4,000 followers on Twitter, we're doing another raffle. We'll send out a tweet. Everybody who likes it and retweets it will get posted into this randomized shuffle bag that our it guy does and someone's gonna win some merch again so be on the lookout for that we have beanies now we got tons of stuff tons of stuff i love this part of the show it is the ball guy of the week and this week it is round one coming to an end of the ball guy of the year tournament we have had 16 bald men come in only one comes out One will get a perm. Nobody else will. Who will it be? Well, let me give you some updates here of round one. Please do. If everything holds up right now, by the time we release this episode, because there's only 17 hours left, round one right now, Lovey Smith, number three, taking on number 14, Charles Barkley. Lovey Smith has 76% of the votes. Michael Jordan, the 11th seed, versus Brad Coons, the 6th seed. Brad Coons has 55% of the votes. It is very, very close. Now, I don't know what we're going to do right now because number 4 Mike Tyson and number 13 Robbie Gould are at a stalemate at 50% each. Okay? We- we're going to have to take a look at number of votes because that's a, that's a generalization. We're going to have to dig deep into the analytics for that one. Yeah, there's uh, the same amount of votes, Matt. That's what 50, oh, wow, really? That's what 50% means, both. 50-50. Hey, if it's, if it's like too close to each other, depending on the number, sometimes it could be the same percentage. Uh, the next matchup we have is number nine, Joey Chestnut, and number eight, Sebastian Janikowski, and Joey Chestnut is running away with that one, 65% to 35%. Then we have a close one again. Number two, David Ross versus number 15, LeBron James. Uh, David Ross has 55% of the votes. Everybody can go on and follow what we put them up for Ball Guy of the Year for uh, when they won a Ball Guy of the Week. So this matchup 
we have the number one seed, Drew, former co-host, the creator, the originator of the ball guy of the week, the original OG ball guy, Drew versus Booger McFarlane, and Drew is running away with it, 68% of the votes. Then we have number 10, Magic Johnson versus number 7, Shaq. Shaq's got 59% of the votes right now. We have PJ Fleck versus the number 5 seed, Tiger Woods. Tiger, with his impressive Masters win so far, has 57% of the votes. And that is the first round of the Ball Guy of the Year. By the time you're listening to this, we'll know what the full results are in round two will be put out for everybody to vote. So be sure to vote for the ball guy of the year. Nobody knows who it's going to be. I'm leaving it all up to you guys. The winner will get probably a t-shirt that has a silhouette of a ball guy wearing a crown, and it's going to be a champion ball guy of the year. Guys, it's a hard one for this week. Starting five gifts you never received growing up. Now, Matt, I know this was hard because you get coal every year. Every year in your stocking. That's what they give Cardinal fans nowadays, just coal. No, they just give a, they just give us false hopes in the NLCS now. But all Yankees fans are so happy that they got coal for Christmas. You see what I did there, guys? You, you see? Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. If I had a soundboard, I'd be doing the uh, sound effect for you. So, Matt, you were absent last week. You want heads or tails, buddy? Uh, give me heads. Flip a coin. It's heads. Ooh, Matt, where do you want to go? Uh, numero uno, por favor, senor. Jeremy, since you did such a great job with this interview for this Thanks, week, man. I'm going to go number two, and you can have the back-to-back picks. Hey, thanks, man. He doesn't care anyway. This is also true. (laughs) Matt, start it up. Starting five gifts you never received as a child. What was the number one gift that you never received? All right. Number one is around 2006. We had um, visited my uh, family's, uh, you know, like we went to the uh, family get together for Christmas. Saw the Nintendo Wii for the very first time. uh, And I played it for the first time. And it, and it was awesome, and I was wishing it was under the tree the next morning, and it wasn't. So then I put it on my list for the next year and never got it. At that point, I just gave up putting it on the list. But, uh, yeah, the Nintendo Wii, the original one, I never got that. You know, I, I think I wanted one of those too, but I never got one. But I, I had to work for I one. I had one. I, it's overrated. Well, overrated. yeah. Yeah, I had one too, but I never got one for like a gift or Christmas. I had to work and then buy one myself to realize that it wasn't worth it. I bought one in 2013 for $60. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, Good for you. So I finally got one. Happy my, ending. My first, my first round draft pick for one of the gifts that I never received... Uh, I never got a BB gun or a paintball gun, which I always wanted. My mom would always be like, oh, you'd shoot your eye out. You know, referring to A Christmas Story, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, a BB gun. Never got one. Are we doing that for starting five Christmas movies? Uh, yeah, we can. We, we could do right. something like that. I'm about it. 
I am so for that. Um, so yeah, uh, being an only child, uh, thankfully, you know, I've I've been kind of spoiled when it comes to uh, when it comes to gifts and gifts receiving and gifts giving. Um, but there's been some that have that have slipped through the cracks, and I'm gonna start off with uh, with a more recent one here, and I kind of laugh thinking about it now, but. Last Christmas, I really wanted a Mitchell Trubisky jersey and didn't end up getting one. And oh, boy. No re- Are you happy no re- now? Yeah, no regrets, but that's why like, I think it's I think it's funny looking back to last Christmas at how excited I was for Mitchell Trubisky being the Bears' starting quarterback. Can I be honest with you, though? If, if I got a Mitchell Trubisky jersey and it was the orange one, I would be okay with it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, and then also keeping it recent, um, this, this past Christmas, there were a couple, uh, Funkos that I really wanted, like some Deadpool ones. And there was like, there were, uh, I wanted Marvin the Martian. Like there were some specific ones. Oh, that the, I really, Marvin that the I really Martian wanted. one would have been so cool. I didn't even yeah, think about that. He's okay. like the best Looney Tune. For, he's like the best. For everybody out there right now. If you don't know Mr. Sneed, uh, Jeremy has a, my strange addiction, uh, it's not a hoarding problem because they're all in the box. It's not clutter, but uh, the Funko Pops. Yeah, he loves them. He's got so Dude. many. He sent me a Snapchat of a Post Malone one. I didn't even know they made that. So now I'm thinking I want a Kanye West one. You know, I want a Kim K one. You know, Dude, I want. It's it's more of like an impulse problem because like I just find them at stores and I'm like, oh my god, I have to have it. And right now too, like I'm at the Hard Rock in San Diego, and in their gift shop they have Biggie ones. They have. They what? have a notorious Big one. You got the Target dog. <laughs> I got Bullseye, the Target dog, dude. Forty-five dollars for it. <laughs> I love it. But that's either way. That's going to be my pick for number two is specific Funko Pops. Because I always end up impulse buying them. But last year I asked for a couple specific ones and didn't get them. Okay. Um... <laughs> Those were good. Those are very good. Uh, hey, thanks, man. One of the gifts that I never received growing up, uh, an iPhone 3. Okay? I it, well, First off, wasn't that the first iPhone? Was the, the iPhone 3? The first iPhone was the iPhone. Yeah, but it was like the, the round one. It was rounder and... You know what I'm talking about? Like it wasn't like a perfect like square or rectangle. It was like round and curved because my friend all of them are round and curved. No. The iPhone three was the first one I was introduced to, and I had always asked that I would want one for Christmas, but I never got one. Okay. I got the Virgin mobile phones and then I got walkie talkies. I was like, what the hell is this? Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get a smartphone until I was like in high school, but um, Blackberries oh, too. No, you know. college. Yeah, Blackberries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, number two. Um, I don't see the Nintendo Wii was basically the only actual disappointment that I never got. So I'm going to try to pull one out of thin air here. Oh yeah. I was thinking about this. Like whenever make you were making your, uh, first pick. Um, I never got blues tickets as a gift. 
Never went to a Blues game uh, for my birthday or uh, Christmas. Kind of disappointed me. Okay, you got back to back. Oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. I- I'm still asleep. Well, Cardinals I'm still tickets, snooze. man. Those ca- never got the Cardinals <laughs> tickets I wanted. <laughs> Uh, that's actually yeah <laughs> you got my next one uh, i never got opening day tickets um i never went to opening day until i turned like 22 21 okay so to make I'm this boring i know <laughs> yeah to, to make this fun again my third pick uh i'm gonna take y'all back to a time where you could walk to school you could ride your bike to school, or you could just slide on your heels to school. I never Overrated. got. I never got heelys as a kid. Okay, overrated. I, I got generic heelys one year for Christmas, and they looked like go-go boots with skates. Almost, they were shoes, but I had to pull out the front wheels. There were two front wheels and two bottom wheels. They were roller skates. They were really roller skates, but they were shoes because you could tuck them into the soles of your shoes as you were walking. So they were like generic Heelys, but I never got legit Heelys, even though I don't think I could do it because I was never a big like skateboarder or rollerblader or anything. So I probably would have just fell on my ass, but it would have been cool to fit in with all the, uh, the DC and Tony Hawk kids with my Heelys. Heelys are overrated. I got them as a gift, and I wore them, I think, twice, and then never wore them again. Yeah, you spoiled. You're spoiled because you fell on your ass. Pretty much. I was also fat and uncoordinated when I had those, so it wasn't exactly the best fit. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't exactly the best fit. I realized I realized very quickly that Heelys were meant for a certain kind of person, and I was I was not that person. Um. So now for my for my third and fourth picks, um, keeping it generic uh, and back with so Trubisky jersey was more specific. But I remember a year where I made like an outrageous list of of jerseys that I wanted, like uh, you know, of like even kind of obscure like NBA guys. Like I I wanted like an Igudala jersey when he was still with the Sixers. Like I made this ridiculous list for my parents, and of course got none of those. So that is going to be. Uh, my third pick is list of jerseys because not even did I ju- not only did I ask for like one but I asked for like twelve and so that was that was a little ridiculous. Um, number four, yeah, because um, I mean, thinking back on that, you were asking for like twelve hundred dollars for Christmas. Exactly, exactly. So that that would have been absurd, but that like the thing just that's one of the things I can think about. That was uh, that was something back when you thought Santa was really going to climb in the chimney and drop them all under the tree. Hey, Quentin, he actually yeah. does. Okay, no, he walks through the front door like a normal person. He doesn't come down your chimney like he's about to rob the place. I mean, You've he never he steals your Santa cookies. Claus. He steals your cookies and your milk, and then leaves. <laughs> anyway, anyway, my number four pick, and this is getting really because I'm 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 having a tough time thinking about like specifics. Like you guys clearly had had this thought out, and you've you've got like really good like things here that that you're thinking of. Um. So I'm going to say for number four, um, I've never gotten a watch as a gift. Not that I've ever like, not that I've ever like, actually, 
Damn it, that's a lie. I got a Fitbit one time. That doesn't count. Okay, fine. If we count that, if we don't count that, then yeah, I'm going to go watch. Not that I've ever like specifically requested one, but both of my parents are big into wearing watches, and I kind of thought that over the years they'd they'd probably get me one. But at the same time, I've stressed that I'm not a big fan of watches, but either way, I'll, I'll go that for number four is uh, watches. It's an acquired taste, man. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> My taste is acquired. Oh, flex, flex on them. <laughs> yeah, flex. So we're flex, Let, but I'll I didn't know it is cold in St. Louis, right? A little, a little icy. Yeah, man. Uh, that oh, wrist going to be icy on Friday. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that that wrist looks froze, man. <laughs> so, my fourth pick. Uh, I never got a laptop growing up right i didn't get my first laptop until my freshman year of college okay and i had my grandmother before she passed away rest in peace grandma uh always she i asked her one year that i needed one for college so we went and we went to best buy and i got an hp laptop which only lasted a couple years uh but what she told me was okay this is your birthday gift, your Christmas gift, your marriage gift, and your divorce gift. So, <laughs> so I I thanked her for for the divorce gift. So that was <laughs> that was my gift that I really never received growing up that I really needed or wanted for school because everyone was playing like Club Penguin and what was the other <laughs> cool thing back then RuneScape and you know, music for iTunes and things like that. So I'm going to go with the laptop for number four. You like, I just thought of it and then you went ahead and said it. God dang it. Uh, yeah, I never got a computer either. First one was, uh, my junior year, uh, of college. (laughs) Uh, God, now I need to come up with a fourth pick. Um, you know how long ago childhood was you guys a long time ago. (laughs) I did ask for a TV for my birthday and Christmas a couple times, um, and I got one. Hooray for Matt, right? But it was a really small one. It was a 15-inch TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like really tiny. It's like a computer monitor. And I, here I am trying to play Watch Dogs on this thing, you know? It's really, really tiny. How am I supposed to hit a baseball with this? But it was technically a TV, and then... The requirement was to have it fit on my dress. It did the job, but I really wanted like a bigger TV so I can actually see. So I never got a big TV. I should have specified. <laughs> and um, uh, for, for number five, um, I, I never, well, I can't say that either because that happened. Uh, I was about to say iPod Touch, but that happened. Uh iPod Nano happened too. Um, I never got a smartphone, uh, <laughs> um, but that that was already taken by Quentin here. iPhone three is under the smartphone category. So when I was growing up, I watched Toy Story like all the time. It was my favorite movie, um, my favorite franchise actually. Uh, up until uh, you know high school, I I was a big fan of the. Uh, uh, first two movies uh so i was kind of surprised that i didn't get any kind of toy story shirts um to, to wear around i never got a pizza planet shirt that's like 
the 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 coolest part about the uh, movies to me because they actually drive the freaking truck. Uh, spoiler alert, maybe, but um, that was in the preview, so you should have known it already. But I never got any Toy Story clothing. That kind of makes me a little sad. Sure, sure. So for my final pick, I never got a PlayStation Two when never like when they first came out the big dinosaur one eventually i bought myself one of the slim ones you know but i had never i never got one of the og dinosaur ones you know the big ones uh but i did end up getting one year i got a super nintendo and then another year i got a gamecube which is still the best gaming console ever is the gamecube that Uh, controller is such trash dude the controller (laughs) was awesome Okay, so a PlayStation Two, I never got growing up. I never got that PS Two either. Um, it wasn't until I was in like seventh grade where I got the slim one. But at that point, the hype is down, and PS Threes are being bought. All right, and so to round things out, Matt, you mentioned an iPod touch. That was something I never received. I've had, I had plenty of little iPods, but never ended up with an iPod touch. I think I would have abused my iPod touch by, by playing way too many games on it, but never got one. Always kind of wanted one. You know, that's going to round it out. You know, I got one of the regular iPod, uh, it was like the 80 gig dinosaur looking ones that you had to like, that's the iPod classic. Yeah. Where you had to spin the circle to scroll. But on the back, it said, happy birth, engraved, it says, happy birthday, love, mom. And I was like, that's awesome. I was like, (laughs) I was like, mom, no. (laughs) Well, it was metal, so you could have, did you scratch it out? No, I didn't know I could. This was back in like fifth grade, fourth grade. So it's like I was trying to be cool having this iPod Classic because it had 80 gigs, which I should have. I wish I still had it, man. I really do because that thing would have been so cool to have now. But, but yeah, uh, that rounds out this week's starting five. Get us out of here. We all got things to do. And vote for Ball Guy of the Year. Yeah, go vote for Ball Guy of the Year, guys. And that wraps up this week's show of Section 312. Be, like we said, on the lookout to vote for the round two of the Ball Guy of the Year tournament. And we will catch you here next week sitting into another episode of Section 312.